the sake of saying it. Um, lab meeting 18. What? Um, Samantha Goyen, is that how I do pronounce it? Goyen? Goyen, yeah. Samantha yeah. Goyen is a PhD candidate at the UTS Climate Change Cluster, C3, that's also known, and you're researching coral reefs. Welcome today. Um, you've just come Thank out of you. a lengthy coral seminar. Yeah. It was a coral yes. seminar. Um, and we were just talking before, how do you see your PhD? How's it been? What's your journey like? And then we'll get into the realistic nitty gritty of it. I guess, so I look at uh, high latitude corals, mm -hmm. so corals that are surviving at the edge of uh, normal distributions, what you typically think of as a coral reef mm. uh, in the tropics. So these corals, I uh, yeah, kind of think of them as like the ugly ducklings of the coral world. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Because everyone thinks of a coral and it's, mm. you know, this colourful, beautiful you know branching thing that's in the nice clear tropical waters uh, but the corals I look at and the corals a lot of my lab look at are the ones that are surviving in more harsh extreme environments they're generally uh, just form these very simple dome like shapes they can be beautifully colored but often they're brown and a lot of people swim over the top of them and don't even realize that it's a living coral oh, there so they're not um, very structurally complex no and yeah so they're kind of like the, the ugly ducklings of the coral world they don't look typically beautiful mm. people haven't really paid much attention to them because they're outside of the normal so what know, latitudes is that like where are we talking uh, so, well, my work focuses on yeah. mainly Sydney Harbour. Okay. Uh, so, uh, but anywhere really New South Wales coast, northern New South Wales, right down southern New Is South Wales, Victoria. Is that fine as temperate or subtropical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, okay. yeah. Sydney's still technically temperate, yeah. uh, but with changing... Uh, weather patterns and such, the, the so Australian current is intensifying, it's getting hotter, it's definitely potentially becoming more subtropical mm -hmm. as a region. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, so yeah, basically looking at the corals that survive where corals typically don't survive and by understanding uh, the corals here we can learn about what makes a resilient or a robust coral into the future. So the corals that have been, the ugly ducklings that have been here in Sydney for decades uh, can teach us a lot about coral survival really, especially with climate change and uh, reefs are potentially going to become more marginal, more extreme in mm. nature. So oh, yeah, you would not think there are corals in Sydney. No. Where is the coldest place? I thought it was just rocky reefs. Corals have been found. Do you know? Oh, corals are... At Depths, massive yeah, depths like in the dark. They're at yeah. right down Victoria, Tasmania. Coral is just defined as a symbiotic organism within a structure, but, or zooxanthellae particularly. I don't have, know much about corals. No, you so. can have azoxanthellae corals as well. So oh, you've really? still got the polyp, they just don't harbour any algae. Okay. And they survive purely on heterotrophy. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. super interesting. Yeah, so, they're very diverse. Yeah, wow. So where are you on your PhD timeline? You're very much towards the end. Yes, I've got four and a half months. 
until I would like to submit. Crunch time. Okay. That's, that's what I'm pushing a for. A bit of flexibility after that, or um, that would be yeah. You get the extension. That would be into the post extension okay, period. Cool. Yeah. 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 But you're lucky. Like, well, not lucky, but it's easier because you're Australian. So yeah. If you just had sort of a teaching job on the side, you could. You could Supplement. So, yeah. yeah, but like yeah, the, the money stops in front. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. So, what's some of the work that you've actually done or put out? Are you more manipulative in the lab? Or are you more observational? Lots of diving. Um, what, what's your focuses? Yeah, I guess my PhD because no one's looked at these corals before. It really had to set out to develop a baseline so it started off being very observational ecological i was literally going diving around looking for them mm-hmm. um, running transects documenting what we were finding did you know what you were looking for when you started uh <laughs> yeah kind of based on pictures actually but there's some really useful citizen science websites mm-hmm. like alice of living australia where oh, people cool. have documented the species that we knew were abundant in Sydney. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess once you've got your eye in, mm. um, you see them everywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, probably really based on pictures, that initial first ever dive. Wow. Um, yeah, and some people from Manly Aquarium helped me out and kind of pointed me in the right direction. Yeah, so the start of my PhD was really field-based, um, started sampling as early on as I could, uh, and then it, yeah, as I collected more samples over time, it progressed into DNA extractions and oh, okay. um, setting up uh, aquaria to run heat stress experiments and stuff. So that's your major focus that you're looking at is response mm. to heat stress? It's again just developing a baseline of survival over a really dynamic temperature range because Sydney winters are you know, 15 degrees up to summer, mm. we're getting you know, anomalous temperatures of 26 degrees. So originally I set out to, to follow, track these corals over their normal temperature range, but my PhD has been entirely uh, taken over by two anomalous years. Oh, okay. So in a way I'm now tracking them at, you know, measuring them at probably the top of their temperature range in summer, um, but whether these temperatures are actually the new normal is the question. Yeah. What, They're what likely to be, so. Yeah, what we're cons- continuing to see is this change. Yeah. The whole range shift. We were talking to Paloma about her fish. Yeah. Yeah. Like a couple of weeks ago, and it's, everything is changing. Everything's changing. This is the new normal. Yeah. So I've got, yeah, I've got these corals over winter, summer, measuring well, physiology, but then also. And this winter is meant to be pretty intense. Well, that could be really interesting cold. as well. Yeah, yeah. How well it gets this winter. Yeah, if that really affects them, as how well. that impacts the sea surface temperature. So would someone continue your work? Because you won't be sampling then, would you? Like, because you'd be basically. Yeah. Maybe. You yeah. Probably so don't I've got have time for that. But no, I've, I guess I've got a, a two-year data set. Yeah. Seasonal tracking. Um, it's super. Be super I mean, interesting. Be great someone keep, could yeah. do that. I've still got yeah. tags out. Um, all through the harbour of the colonies I've been targeting. Yeah, it's and just on the show. Yeah. Keep looking at this. Because, yeah, the, the baseline I was trying to develop is not necessarily an accurate baseline given the, the 2015-16 anomaly. We have the bleaching in the harbour. Mm. That's already not a normal year. Mm. Then away. the next year was warm as well. That's my PhD. It's kind of not yeah. normal. 
How you adapt your experiments? You have to adapt your PhD to all these weird things. Yeah, it's, it's funny. There's, there's not much impact of like extreme weather events on corals down here. Is it? We don't get yeah in terms of cyclones and things like that. No, um, which is why I guess the the thermal anomaly was quite interesting to actually um, look at these corals during that because they haven't really been exposed to anything like it before mm. um, so it was kind of a, Very novel, a novel unique insight into how these corals survive just a couple of degrees beyond the temperatures they're used to in the wild not yeah, in a natural system uh, in an experimental system yeah yeah oh, that's good. yeah no it doesn't take much to push them over their their bleaching no, thresholds well a few degrees doesn't sound like much yeah. but for them it's massive yeah. yeah, and what we we thought these corals were really robust and tolerant, and they are because they are surviving here. It's urbanised, rah, rah rah. Temperatures range is huge, but then they're only robust. It would seem within that. Yeah, even just mm. one degree over, and they seem to be. Have you gone the other so way into cooler temperatures or not? No, so much that was focus. in the original plan, but then kind of just got completely sidelined with this anomalous temperature yeah. what was actually happening in the wild and yeah so and that would be you've future got to your real research to what's actually happening exactly which is one of yeah. the things i'm trying to piece together in future experiments i'm looking at doing is how does this actually correspond to what's happening in the wild in the environment yeah. and in that's real. yeah i mean tank setups and aquariums are still they still have their place for understanding mm. corals but if you can do it in the field if you can match it to the field it's much more powerful yeah yeah no that yeah. i've always been like that's really important like if you yeah. do something in the lab you have to show that you know there's something similar happening in the environment as well or finding you know mm. even genes or something yeah. if you find something in the lab you have to show it's out there in the environment exactly otherwise yeah. what are you doing like it's really different yeah yeah, yeah. Differences can go on there. Yeah, those factors you just eliminate immediately yeah. if you're able to sample from the field. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah. So, why are you interested in science in general? Why environmental science? How did you come into doing this at UTS? What's your What's your long-term journey been to get here? What inspires you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? <laughs> wow. Break it up. I just I really like people's stories of how they get to where they are. Um I oh god, you know, upbringing was very much around spending time in nature, national parks, ocean, all that. Um, I had this fascination as a as a kid uh, with sea turtles. Oh. Don't ask me where it came from, what, where, I'd, I'd have no idea, I'd never seen one in real life or in the wild and I just had this absolute obsession with them. Um, and then one day, I think it was about six, I remember this vividly, um, a family friend or something of my mum's just said, oh, you know, you should be a marine scientist. And from that point on, it just stuck. I started looking that's into awesome. it. Wow. So from I was very young. Old, that's yeah, amazing. Because that's how I was going to be able to study turtles. Um, anyway, yeah, I started getting, I guess, um, I, yeah, through school and stuff, always picked biology and 
chemistry, wanted to do all the earth sciences and stuff. It's always just fascinated me um, yeah. more than humans. And, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think what appeals to me about it is the big picture sort of stuff as well. Like, you know, without a functioning ocean, functioning environment, there's no hope for our yeah. species anyway. So, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's really the big picture sort of stuff that drew me to it. Um, but yeah, it's always been the reef, it's always been turtles, started diving mm. when I was quite young, was up it, on Heron. Did you grow up in a coastal community? Or? Grew up in Sydney. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah um, so constantly in the water, but then, yeah, about 14, 13, 14, my mum took me up to Heron Island. Oh, um, nice. During the turtle breeding. Oh, beautiful, I always wanted to do that. Yeah. I still need to get up there and do that. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. special, and because of how obsessed I was at the time, I just was in heaven. Um, yeah. At that <laughs> um, age, that's going to have a huge exactly, impact on you. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, um, so, yeah it was, since then, it's just been going back to the reef as much as I can, um, learning to dive, trying to get... When did you, you start know, diving? So the first dive I ever did was Heron Island. I was 14. It was okay. like one of these introductory learn to dive yeah. introductory things. Um, I actually burst a blood vessel in my ear. Oh what? Because I obviously didn't understand the <laughs> the concept. <laughs> I just <laughs> was like, woohoo! <laughs> I was just get down. <laughs> and that kind of caused me a bit of grief for a while. Wow. Um, but then yeah, I really started diving again. I guess a couple of years after that. Yeah. Um, and just pro like progressed with it, stuck with it. Um, I knew yeah. ultimately that I wanted to study marine biology at uni, um, and uh, yeah, always wanted to give research a go. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I just stuck with it, and because the I turtles were the vessel that got me to mm. now. I guess more the reef in a big picture sense is, as I said mm. before, more what I'm interested Much more in now. Yeah. Yeah. Climate change minded. Because well, I got my advanced diving certification like Recently. three weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. But then there was this girl, she was 14 and she was getting her yeah. advanced diving. And I was like, you are so lucky. Mm -hmm. You have no idea. Like, so amazing that your parents are like allowing you or like inspire you to do this at that young age. Because yeah. I wish I was diving at that age. Well, the funny thing is, like, my mum can't. Swim, oh yeah, my parents can't swim either. But just so that's supported amazing. me endlessly yeah. with it because they knew that's it's what so I loved. That's cool. Yeah. 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 I don't dive as much as I should or I want to, but yeah, I just, I've got mm. my open, was it open water yeah, at first? Mm -hmm. I just never got into it. Yeah. Masks always leak on me. Okay. Yeah. It's because you've got this stupid little moustache. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's not the moustache. No, it's not. There's plenty of people It's not for everyone. The oh, first time, when I, yeah, in, okay, when I okay. first did it in a pool, the, like the first oh, 10 seconds I suck. freaked out, I was like, I cannot do this, what am I doing? And then the guy was like, keep trying a bit, and I was like, okay. I don't want to, but okay. And then now it's like amazing, I'm so happy. Yeah, I just you can went experience on. Yeah. that. Yeah. But it's not for everyone. No, I don't really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Well, fair, there you fair go. enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, stick to the land or the, or the uh, <laughs> I like swimming in rivers, rivers as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah fresh water's great. Yeah. Darker. It's not much of a problem. It's darker. <laughs> it's I really like deep diving and like mm. as my PhD would suggest, getting to the the weird, quirky. Extremes. I get over the whole, you know, beautiful 
picturesque picturesque coral reef stuff I really like getting to the more weird and where you go there's going to be less people as well so you're not going to be crowded if you're not going to those picturesque sites yeah I mean a lot of my sites in Sydney are you know getting overrun (laughs) well yeah you get all the runoff and all the rubbish and the crap in the harbour and it just adds to this whole you know marginal weird environment for a coral to be surviving yeah, they're hardy little things, that's for sure. So, yeah, very niche. Um, mm. Now, this new coral, apparently, around Sydney. What do you know about it? Tell us more. Well, well it just shows that, like, with, like, there's potentially new coral species in Sydney here. We're a very populated place. Imagine, like, how much more there is to discover mm. as well. Like, that's been there, obviously, who knows how long, mm. and has only just been discovered now, when people yeah, have, like, I mean, been doing so much around. The dominant species, so the one, like, the main species I work on, we know have been here for a long time. Mm. There is, with the EAC, intensifying Sydney's a hot spot of warming. Mm. Um, it's warming almost three degrees faster than anywhere else globally than the global average wow. so it's actually wow. like a hot spot of Jeez, okay. change um, so yeah there's potential new species coming down with the EAC from mm. further north that are literally like brand new yeah um, that are Amazing. just popping up in the last decade if that um, so we're yeah we are starting to see some tropical you know typically tropical species um, in high abundances, uh, solitary islands, Lord Howe Island, Coffs yeah. Harbour, uh, well, Solitaries, um, Port they, Stephens. Are even. they in those lower structurally complex ones because no. they're easy to transport? Or? Um, well, it's a mix, so you, you're always going to have like the, the massives, the not very complex ones, mm. potentially being more tolerant, they don't need as much light, they're more robust in. Um, various environmental conditions and yes. the swells well, uh, um, yeah. yeah but then morphologically robust but then there's corals appearing that are your typical branching tropical everybody oh. loves woohoo corals yeah. good um, for fish type stuff yeah yeah um, so they you know it's been known for a while that they're popping up further south Sydney is that next stepping stone um and yeah, we are seeing a few new species pop up, but it's so, we just need more eyes in the water. It's so undocumented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this, this um, new species is a tropical species. It's known further further north on the um, northern New South Wales coastline. It's been found there That's too. Just to pop up. The fact that it's popping up in Sydney as well is pretty interesting. Um, in And it's growing. It's, wow. it's growing well. It's big. So it's, yeah, some it's big beds of it. Yeah. So, do you know why Sydney's a biodiversity hotspot? Does it have something to do with the output of the harbour, or is it just it's just the next step down it's from the, the coast? It's, yeah, the EAC is pushing further south. Yeah, there's no um, interaction with harbour or nutrient output. Or something. I mean, that's if anything, we'd assume that that would work against such yeah. kind of delicate um, organisms like coral in terms of. It promote algal growth and stuff yeah. like that that ties into you know our herbivorous fish moving further south like what Paloma looks at and, um, so you'd think that highly urbanised with lots of runoff isn't 
Fraser and yeah. Coral settlement here. Um, but yeah, it's it's the EAC bringing potentially bringing down tropical larvae as it pushes further yeah. south and um, various yeah, there's hydrology factors that work around off the coast of Sydney that are driving that. Um, again, it's not really known how successful that process is. We need settlement plates out there looking at new recruits, mm. corals. Yeah. Um, so there's still so much to do. There is so, yeah, we really don't know exactly what's happening. Yeah, a few, a few coral larvae might be making it into Sydney and surviving, but how that compares to how much is actually coming yeah. as far mm. south and getting pushed off down. out to Lord Howe or get, you know, we just, we really don't know. That comes under a whole other um, field of research looking at tropicalisation. So yeah. it's a whole other couple of PhDs in that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we get so more, like, so many more students in. Like yeah. you look at well, an in, no. you look, I know, yeah. but you look at an intake of undergraduates in environmental and marine. It's like forty students a year yeah. compared to medical sciences, which are like hundreds and hundreds and it's like why are you guys doing that this People is so much interested. more interesting well, you would yeah see and this is important i yeah. have one environmental student out of 20 24. yeah same we were so disappointed we were like any environmental and like one yeah. person yeah and i was like no no that's but then yeah there's not many of us coming through but then but when you get yeah. to our stages of finishing phds Where there's so go? many of us compared to jobs it's yeah. Like yeah so out of work and it's difficult but yeah we just need more people doing more research ultimately but then if nobody's and listening to what we're finding <laughs> then now you're gonna get me on my rent <laughs> seen the draft plans announced for potential rollback of marine park protections, particularly around the Great Barrier uh, Reef. Thanks, Josh Frydenberg, you big friggin' tool. Um, <laughs> this is pretty crushing. Yes. I mean, it's still going to get through the Senate. I don't think it will. I, I maintain that. Um, but it's, again, pretty standard for environmentalists in Australia. This absolute ignorance of evidence-based science mm -hmm. and what is actually good in favour of the cash dollar. Um, you were saying you've read this the other day. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Are there positives out there on the horizon? Are there things we can look to that are positive rather than just this complete despondency that I'm occasionally prone to feeling? Yeah, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? All this hard work and... For nothing. For what? Um, I, oh, there are definitely positives, there's definitely areas where money could be invested that would actually make a difference. The problem is, like, um, if, you, yeah, if you put money into certain projects, like in, you know, innovations, new technologies, stuff like that, um, and then don't support it consistently all through yeah. things like marine parks. Or pick and choose. Yeah, it's kind of what's actually going to be the long-term success of those either. The, yeah, this change to the marine parks is completely destroying, it's to be honest. It's pretty damning. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
it's yeah changing the zoning of certain areas you know the coral sea being especially hard hit it makes you know the government's just announced 60 um well 60 million for the gbr to help with new technologies innovations new research rah, 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 for the great barrier reef and then a couple of months later turn around and do this so it's mm. you can just really see straight through yeah it's it's so two-faced yeah yeah it's yeah, but there's, if this gets through the Senate, then I really just don't know. I, I um, can't see it getting through, though. Yeah, well, we'll hope. see, we'll see. But yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty damning, um, changing the zoning through a lot of these marine parks and allowing for more something like, commercial fisheries. You know, I read something that's like, no modern country has rolled that no. on marine park protections. Well, that's yeah. the thing you see so easily, like a few months ago or something like Chile, were like yeah, announces just, and that yeah, it's like most wow, of that's amazing, coastline. and it seems so easy, and yet we, we cannot do yeah. like a World Heritage listed <laughs> yeah. area, which is somehow again escaped the tag the of largest, being destroyed. Yeah, yeah. the, the largest cool structure on earth, and yeah. oh, let's you know open up for more fishing, more boats, more mines. It, 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 yeah, you do sit there Mine. and go, the science is there. We've done a lot of science, and it's good science. Nobody's listening. That no. implements plans like this, where we're we're bringing solutions to these people, yeah. these politicians too. We're not just doom and gloom. And, that's and yeah. still, have some money. Oh, but look, that won't matter what you do with that money because it won't be protected in the future anyway. And that's so. what really annoyed me with the. Um, they announced was it two million for someone who could come up with a solution to help the reef as a citizen. I was like, you, you pay for scientists to give you solutions. <laughs> we give management ideas and mm. implications and suggestions and put forth things. I mean, yeah. And you just ignore it. And you go, oh, we'll just give two million to citizens in case someone smart can figure I, out something I like, else. I'm all for it's citizen too. science and for science to branch out. Yeah, we have to talk to other in industries, engineers, yes. rah, rah, rah. I'm all for that. But when the base concept. But when they're ignoring the base, this need like we're saying this, this and this need to be done now. It's very clear. It's not very complicated. No. And still we get rollbacks of yeah. marine protection and without conservation even factoring in. It's yeah. not even, yeah, not even he, when you hear Josh Frydenberg being interviewed about this, oh. he doesn't even try to make it sound like they care no. about conduct. He doesn't even try. Yeah. He's just like, look, we need to make these areas more usable for humans. Uh, like, humans. we are past humans. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's interesting that people are capable of distancing themselves from the biological network that we live yeah. in. Like, you yeah. are, you are part time. of, you are one species mm-hmm. on this planet, yeah. not the dominant species. Mm-hmm. You should frustrates me. But that's the main issue, isn't it? Like, people are just detached from it, yeah. and unless, like us, you're studying it, you're yeah. there, you see it firsthand. We've been given the opportunities yeah. as young people to fall in love there's with this it. There's something missing, really in, there's something missing in between that yeah. we need to get to everybody else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, I think one thing, I think people that even don't have a, an innate, you know, love of 
the ocean or the environment generally, it's not part of their worlds. I think even those people are starting to realise that something's drastically wrong. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is, is that one of the positives? Do you see a small change of people starting to come to the party, so to speak? Probably just in my bubble, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, and that's the other thing. That's we get trapped in a bubble. Yes, we are in a bubble. Then. We think that everybody believes in climate change and helps yeah. us out until we read this stuff. And we also, me and Anne particularly, think we suck because we're the lowest on the ladder in the office. <laughs> so we're like, oh, we don't know anything. Mm. So there's, it's two bubbles that can be really misleading yeah. Yeah. Um, at times. Yeah, I think... But yeah, I, I don't know. I'd like to be surprised. I think a positive trend. Yeah, I think so. And I think I would be pleasantly surprised outside of this bubble. Plan to, you know, explore further at the end of the PhD, see what other people around the place are actually thinking. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's there's so much work to be done to engage citizen science or even just recognition but, yeah. of what's happening or engagement with ecology. Yeah, and exactly. It's an uphill battle. But yeah, I mean, when you've got a government, just shuts it down anyway. What are you yeah. gonna do? Uh, <laughs> let's not give up hope though. It's International Year of the Reef, I would also like Ooh, to mention. Exciting. So that is a huge kinda That's great. Um, kick in publicity for people. And I think it'd be a really good one. Yeah. If we it can is. get public engaged and yeah. Yep, everything public engaged. Yeah. All systems go for stop and honey Yeah. It just needs to kinda yeah, and we really need cool things like you know the chasing coral documentary Stuff that was like that. so Outreach, successful, yeah. and that's easy for people to engage with as mm. well. Yeah, you know, so there is definitely like momentum. Yeah, momentum starting generally, you know, for the oceans anyway. But yeah, yeah it's it's really am I just reading it because I'm being fed exactly. that because of algorithms or exactly. it's tough. Yeah, <laughs> you just yeah. don't go. The algorithms. <laughs> but even people who, who I don't normally associate with this sort of stuff, like never really mentioned it before, don't seem to really care. Have legit asked me, I heard this is or true. Yeah. They you know, it is starting to worry people. Yeah, pe- people are aware of it. Yeah. Um, or you'll get someone who goes, Oh, I heard this fact. What do mm. you think? I'm like, yeah, it's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't seem unbelievable. But yeah. yeah. No, it's, um, it's a, an uphill battle. <laughs> Gotta fight. Probably can't give up. It. It's all, yeah. all of our careers. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we might cut it there because I've got to run and look after some work experience kids who hopefully oh, I can persuade not to do medical Just science. Get into their brains. Um, so, thanks for today, Sammy. Can we thanks, give out your Sammy. Twitter? Is that all right? I do a bit yeah. of posting on Twitter, so you can um, follow more of Sam's work if oh, you like. Oh, you thought I was going to say I know what it is. is. <laughs> I do my research. <laughs> so you can follow more of Sam's work at Samantha Goyen, G-O-Y-E-N. I'll also Thanks. put in the links to this show. Ah. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at alumnotyet or me personally at Pelagic Johnson. You can't follow Anne because she won't let you. Um, Still don't have to You're also on Facebook if you want to have a look subscribe ratings reviews if you can but otherwise i think we're done till next time that was thanks really fun. guys thanks, for thanks cool thanks